Hey guys, Michael here with Energy 360 Network. Excited to be bringing you another interview here on the Energy 360 Network podcast by Intercom. Before we get into this interview, I want to say shameless plugs. Please subscribe to the 360 Digital Closing Bell at www.oilandgas360.com. It is the best way to stay up to date on all of your energy finance news. It's hosted by me. So obviously it's going to be a great show. You can also find us on iTunes, Spotify. You can follow Intercom at YouTube. You can connect with all of us at LinkedIn. We will get back to you. We are the most available show on the podcast. This is a great interview we have coming. It was actually done by me and Stuart Turley, who's the director of publisher of Oil and Gas Research. We sat down with Anthony McDaniels, who's the CEO of Rare Petrol, which is a technology and engineering firm that really does a lot of cool stuff. They're, they're, they're really optimizing the way remote work is done. They're helping oil companies really optimize the way they, you know, how, how do you, how are you able to, to, to hire a contractor versus a lot of other stuff. They have some really cool technology functions and it's a really fascinating interview and, 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 and Anthony has a really cool story because he actually started Rare Petro Technologies and Rare Petro Engineering back in 2015 during the first oil crisis when oil prices were about the same they are now. So I think it serves as a really good lesson for people who are interested or who might accidentally find themselves an ability to try to, you know, you know, you know an ability to do something. So it's a great interview and I hope you check it out. I mean, just thanks for joining me. First of all, I know it's uh, it's kind of a crazy time we're living in with the uh, the work from home, but you know the, the, these Zoom conferences and all that stuff make it nice. I appreciate you joining me. Um, I hope you're doing well. Yep, I'm doing all right. Oh, good. Well, uh, first, I mean, first thing I just want to, you know, first off, I want to say is, is is thanks for joining me. I, I you know, just for everybody who's listening, I was a former uh, employee of yours, and I've always enjoyed working for you. And, and, and I kind of just want to give people, a, you know, an, an overview of your background, how you got to what you're doing, because, you know, there's some really interesting stuff I want to get into, you know, later on, both about what, you know, Rare Petro does, and then sort of the genesis of how you started it, because I think it can provide an example for a, a lot of people. But I just kind of want to start out talking about your story and kind of how you, how you got to doing what you're doing. Yeah, so <clears throat> five years ago, it was um, April of 2015. And I was working for a company called Lynn Energy at the time, a company that I hadn't even signed up to work for. They had bought a company I was working for, uh, Barry Petroleum. And um, anyway, oil prices were really high in the summer of 14, and then they started going down, down, down. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, they, they called us all in April of 2015 and said, well, um, we're shutting everything down. And a lot of you're going to get a severance package. Some of you will get a relocation package. And um, so I got the severance package. And there was a there was a lot of people that got the severance package. And um, I would say probably more than half got the severance package. Um, the uh, it was kind of I'm at an eight years of experience at the time not a whole whole lot compared to a bunch of people in this industry that have 20 30 years you know and um pretty much pretty much just kind of decided that instead of trying to run all over the country um i would just try and start up some i just consult you know maybe out of my basement just just for some supplemental income i had somewhat of a network of people and and uh you know at the time I had two kids, young kids, and uh, married, still married. Now I have four kids. And so this whole journey the last five years um, has been, you know, 
in their thirties with a wife and kids, um, you know, mouths to feed, if you will. And uh, so it was something that I will stress this part. Um, it wasn't that life handed me a situation and I just decided on a whim to go and try and start a company. Mm. Uh, my wife and I had prepared for years living in houses smaller than we could afford, um, doing investments, learning about how to have, you know, streams of income aside from just a job and built that up over years, actually about, um, about four or five years at the time we had been doing that, um, reading a lot of books and going to seminars. This was something that it wasn't a decision made on a whim. Mm -hmm. It was when I got let go and I got a severance package. I said, well, I guess this is the time it's as good as any. Um, and for me, the way I looked at it was, you know, <clears throat> I'm old enough to have some network and some experience in the professional world um, that I might be able to get a gig or two. Um, but I'm young enough to solve the energy because it's not going to be easy. Um, it really is. It's, it's a, it's, it's very difficult to go from a steady income, especially a relatively high one, um, you know, go from, uh, go from making, you know, and I guess I can say this now, uh, you mean, you know, you're, you're in your early thirties and you're pulling in, you know, close to a quarter million dollars a year. <laughs> and all of a sudden, boom, there's, mm -hmm. boom, just like that. <clears throat> and the first 12 months that I did things on my own only grossed $39,000. I mean, you're talking about going from up here, steady, to total uncertainty and way down here, right? Yeah. And, and really, um, anything in life, rewards come with sacrifice. And they come with seeing things through, and there are no guarantees. So my wife and I, we just, we were in it together. Um, you know, I would say anybody who's out there right now who is getting downsized or got downsized, <clears throat> I'd really ask yourself, are you in doing what you're doing as a profession? Because mm -hmm. you're really passionate about it? Or were you just doing it because it was paying you really good? Yeah. We're just doing it because it paid you really good. You're, you got to find something that you truly are intrigued with to stick through and try and create a business or, or go into that, even like double down, if you will. No, and, and no, that's awesome. And I think, and it, it's crazy because like you mentioned, you, you went from, you were consulting out of your basement to now you have two companies, both a technology and engineering company. Can you talk about how the kind of the genesis of that happened? Like, you went from, um, you know, the, the idea of I'm going to just consult on my basement to now all of a sudden I have an app now, you know, how, how did that evolution take place? <clears throat> yeah. So that's a good question. At the time I'm 33 years old. Well, I'm 32 when I get laid off and then I turn 33, um, a couple months later and here I'm in the early thirties petroleum guy, you know, I needed something to differentiate. Like I had a gig right out of the gate, um, but it wasn't paying very well as I just illustrated. And, you know, it, I was like, I got to differentiate somehow. So I was like, well, let's make, you know, one of these little, these little applications on a phone that, that might be a little plastic slide wheel. Let's just make that, you know, and I'll go around these trade shows and stuff with the client that I had at the time and, you know, show people that and, you know, maybe it gets 
some attention in a good way and he, you know gets another contract and this and that and so we made about we go from one to about a dozen of those simple little reference apps and um you're still available on the app store right you can go download yeah. them right now yeah shameless plug go to the app store rare petro what are the what are their names let's get them oh uh, you just just search for rare petro technologies on the app store the google play store and yeah they're great some of them are free um those are ones that have been licensed from other organizations so um anyhow we uh we do that and then i it did actually help i got another consulting contract which was still nothing close to what i was used to making uh as far as what i could take home uh but it was you know it, it did get me up to the next step and then we made more of this and, I, and it was just kind of kind of dawned it's like you know this whole proliferation of smartphones and tablets and cell connectivity out there um mixed in with cloud usage and this and that that's going to become more uh, important in general you remember this this is this is this is almost five years ago four yeah. and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And I know, and there were still some people like old companies like, ah, we don't want stuff on the cloud. It's not secure. And there was, you know, still some of the older people that were like, yeah, you know, I'm not going to use a smart, I'll call people on a phone. I'm not going to, maybe I look at email and text. I'm not going to, you know, but now, oh man, now, now it's, everybody's going to cloud, right? You don't have to be a rocket scientist here. We've seen this in the consumer sector for the last 10 years, all these things. And the industry is just going to catch up. They're going to catch up later. The, the, the companies will start, you know, they went from nobody's going to have a smartphone to we'll give smartphones to the engineers. Now everybody's got a freaking smartphone. You know, and we're gonna, they're going to go from, oh, we don't do people work remote. Yeah, we don't, you know, do the cloud stuff to, that's all they're going to do. Because if they don't, now they're the outliers, right? So I don't care whether it's little mom, Paul, oh, service company or Exxon Mobil. If you're not starting to leverage mobile devices and go to the cloud, you're laggard. At this point, it's more risky not to. But five, four and a half, five years ago, nah, it's like, eh. You know, yeah. Anthony, I think that you really uh, touched on a serious point in that. And oil field folks do not like change. This is an old uh, kind of uh, industry, and we're seeing folks that have to change the technology, and they're not happy about changing it. Uh, so you just nailed it right on the nose that you know oil field was very reluctant to change. Now it's yeah. kind of like they have to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So the idea a couple years ago was we're just going to create these apps, create these simple cloud tools, create these simple platforms, prove them up. And kind of, because there's one thing I learned about the oil industry, it's, it's a small community and we, they're gonna deal with their own if they have the choice to, before they deal with somebody from Silicon Valley. I mean, they just will. The only reason they go to somebody who's out of industry is because they don't know they have another choice. But if they have a choice for somebody in the industry, they'd rather deal with little rare Petro. They know we understand what they do and, and, and what they need and why. Mm -hmm. uh, and to go to somebody who's just going to rack up a bunch of charges and making something custom and they they don't understand how to bridge the gap between what the technology needs to be and what it needs to do and why right so you end up with these drawn up and i've been part of that working for an oil company before i was laid off you know bringing in let's build this software thing and, and it just 
it's expensive, it's drawn out. The people who make the product don't understand what its purpose is. I mean, it's just like you, you, you can give the schematics to build a car to somebody who's never seen a car before, or even more to the point, you can give the schematics to build a car to somebody who's never drove a car before, and they're not going to understand some little subtleties that actually make the car really worth driving every day, right? Yeah, they can build an engine. Yeah, they can build a drivetrain. Yeah, they can make all the things drive, but they don't understand that maybe the gear shifter should be down here or up on the column not you know next to the side view mirror just to use an analogy right they, they don't get they won't understand that they'll 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 just look at it and say well we'll build it like this and it'll mechanically it'll work better but they understand because they never drove a car they don't understand why it needs to work the way it needs to work so programmers are not always thinking of the end user and anthony as you were understanding the oil patch guys you know what button is going to get this data to this point and how they think that's mm -hmm. a huge chunk of it isn't it yeah <clears throat> so at first you know um we were met with pretty warm reception sure i mean we were actually invited into what they call an incubator program an accelerator program it's basically yeah. to you up for you know angel investors or venture capitalists we were we were invited into it before we even filed the paperwork for the tech company because the tech company came a year later officially and so you have this engineering firm which was started in 2015 and that does consulting it still does and then you have this tech company which is a totally different thing under the same brand umbrella if you will rare petro the tech company's purpose is to make simple easy to use tools and to do more things on on a custom build and a subscription model and not being very expensive and then you have consulting on the other side that's engaging with oil companies every day in providing professional services in the field and in the office. Mm -hmm. So we, we get invited into this accelerator program, you know, and here's, here's another thing, you know, and I'm going to talk on the business stuff a little bit. We were, we were pretty much offered money right out of the gate, oh, and, nice. but then they wanted us to change a bunch of things. And I said, no, thank you. Um, and I said, I'm not going to change this for money that I'm willing to put in myself. Right. So basically, uh, this organization has been self-sufficient and self-funded since inception. Bootstrapped um, it. It's been yeah, incredible. Hard way. Very cool. Well yeah. done. So we have we have had investors, but that's been friends and family, kind of the. Everyone's the got friends and family. Yeah, 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 yeah it's a prerequisite it's, to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, but as far as like, you know, as far as like taking on institutional money or even considering that or angel groups or. We've just said no, no, no. And we want to build this thing up enough so that we can prove to them, look, this is this is needed. This is wanted. People are going to pay for this. Mm -hmm. and they're going to pay for the business model that makes sense. We're not going to sell fifty or $100,000 a year software licenses. We're going to almost give it to the oil company, a custom build solution, almost for free. Why is it free? Because once they're using it, they're going to ask everybody to come and work for them to get on the thing so they can see their little pin on the map when they're out in the field so that they can get little forms filled out and sent to them. And this is a, a huge software undertaking and we've, we've, we keep making steps, we keep making steps. And at the end of the day, you know, some of our competitors out there, um, them and or their backers are probably going to get washed out on this downturn. 
nobody's going to pay fifty hundred thousand dollars a year for seeing all the water haulers that are moving because they're drilling a bunch of wells well that's all done yeah right so it's all going to go back to day to day day to day and if there's anything that i can say that has been the overlying overarching business target of rare petro whether it's consulting or tech from the very beginning wasn't following capital it wasn't following the bit it wasn't getting i mean you can get paid a lot more for that stuff yeah that's capital dries up and then nothing Mm-hmm. you've always been focused on day-to-day stuff what needs to happen day-to-day the maintenance that has to occur regardless of oil prices because you have to do it for state regulatory purposes you know you can consult on stuff like this it's doesn't pay as high when times are good but it's a lot more stable when times are bad because it's work that still needs done and so the postulation is pretty simple if you're making money and everybody else is making money that's not very special is it but if everybody else is losing and you're not that's a whole different dynamic, right? So all of a sudden you become a lot more interesting to people because you're one of the few that aren't losing. And it's not all pure planning. You can only plan so much. Some of it's luck. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't know that coronavirus is going to happen. Anybody else? Nobody knew that. Nobody knew all the things that would have unfolded in the next five years when I started this five years ago. Nobody knew that. But on a principle basis, I knew that if you're focused on day-to-day stuff and solutions rather than bottom lines and top line revenues, then you would have a lot more of a stable foundation. Right? Yeah. You have a stable foundation when nobody else has a foundation, all of a sudden you get a lot of attention. Good attention. But you know, Anthony, I think I, I really love your, your thought process because it also keeps your product pure uh, like an artist you're not having to have somebody come in and say, do it this way. You can keep what your vision is pure. Right. Yep. Pretty right on. And adaptable. I think adaptability is the key, being able to be receptive to what the market is telling you and being able to shift. And I know the tech company has done that. You've shifted from product, you know, front face, you know, you've done a lot of different custom builds, but in terms of some of the front facing products, you guys, you know, rare Petro tech has put out there. You've sort of shifted to what you felt the market has showed you. Is that correct? No, definitely. In fact, basically, whatever you can see we have out there on the app store or on our website or on, you know, on the cloud currently, those are all just pieces of this plane. They're all independent pieces, but they're all just pieces. The actual vision is going to mesh some of the, a lot of these ideas together at some point. They, they were never, you know, a lot of people, they, they get this, they get this hang up. They say, what product do you sell? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, we, we create solutions. It's not a product. Everybody's so zoned on that, right? What is the thing you do? What is the widget? Yeah, what is the widget? And that's really good if you know what that means. If you know that means you're raising money before you have revenue, mm-hmm. and then these people are going to be worried about their exit, and they're going to want to sell it at a multiple, and they're going to want you to lock down and put on your, you know, put on your guardrails real quick and focus. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that, but you got to understand what that is. That is people put money in to have a product that another company is going to buy, not because of the product so much, but because of the customers that are attached. To yeah. Well, Anthony, do you, when you go into a prospective client, um, you've got to know their business in order to say, this is the solution I recommend to you mm-hmm. from a consultant side so that you can tell them an ROI. Right. Yeah. Well, and you know, the funny thing about sales, and you know, this isn't just my opinion, 
this this has been garnered from many books. People who know more about it than me, people who have come before me, been more successful in a lot of ways. Um, plus my own experience. Uh, sales isn't so much sales. It's not ROIs and it's not dollars spent and dollars received. That's the easy way to distill it in your gray matter. But at the end of the day, it really is, does this person like that person? Do they want to hear what they have to say? It's a conversation, right? It's not a pitch. You get to know somebody. So if you're in their office to help them out, do draw wellbore diagrams because the state agency needs all this done. You get to know them, they get to know you. And you just, you say, hey, look, you know, is there other ways we can help you out? You know, I mean, I've noticed because we're working together, maybe you'd have interest in this solution or that solution. And maybe they do. But it's more of a conversation rather than a pitch. I mean, sales is really just conversation, right? That's all it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I mean, maybe we can, we can cut this if we want. But I remember Stu first called me November. Every time we got off the phone, I was mad we couldn't just lock in a deal. It took me till March to finally lock something in. So, no, it's a process. Even when someone is interested in what you have to sell, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, it, it, Michael, it's also getting to the decision maker. Yeah. I, I was, you know, an influencer. I didn't write the checks. Mm, agreed. Uh, and, but you <coughs> wouldn't be here without a team effort. The, the entire intercom team is doing their due diligence because of our oh, commitment yeah. to the whole program. Being able to visit with Anthony on this kind of discussion was not something we were taking lightly. Mm -hmm. And so uh, finding somebody with your weirdness uh, was very important. Yeah. I appreciate it. I, I think, no, I just, I just think that's, no, I definitely agree. And it takes time, but yeah, it doesn't happen overnight. So the fact that, you know, Anthony was able to specifically grow a company in a time in 2015, 2016, which if you listen to my shameless plug for my podcast, 360 Digital Closing, though, we just actually are iTunes, Spotify, look us up. But I talked about an overview of kind of what, how we got to this point with oil price. And if, you know, you remember 2015, 2016, low oil prices. And this is when, Anthony, you launched your study. You know, do you have any advice for anybody really who is maybe thinking of doing this or someone who might lose their job? And, you know, is there any advice you could give somebody that you think could help them out? I mean, you, you did it. Yeah, I mean, you know, to kind of put a little framework, you know, it went from me in my basement, which that's where I am right now, because, you know, quarantine. Things come full circle. Yeah. <laughs> As is, state order in Colorado went out effectively. <sighs> but, um, you know, still feeling good. Everybody's family's good, so it's not that. But, but um, you know, we have about 30 associates now in our organization on both sides total. And, um, you know, most of them, they don't even work here in Colorado. They, they work in California. We have somebody in Texas. We have somebody in Oklahoma. Um, so in that regard, we were also pretty well geared up for this work from a distance concept. Because really, when you got to leverage things like Zoom and this and that, it really doesn't matter if somebody's 10 miles away or 1,000 miles away. It's all the same through this, right? So, so we were already kind of set up to be this way anyway. Um, tech company. I would sure hope so. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of what we do is consulting face-to-face -to -face too with an oil company in their office, right? I'm not in that office all the time. So I can be out here trying to work on the business as much as I'm working in the business, look at growth, look at opportunities, expanding our network, um, because this stuff is very important as the years unfold. 
but you still got to keep the train on the tracks, right? You still got to keep the thing driving. So you got to figure out how to do that. So anybody who wants to go into a business, I mean, I started it out with, should be something you are genuinely interested in. Mm -hmm. Almost an industry sector or something, if you just love it. Um, Don't try and turn a hobby into a business unless you understand what that means. Because if you do something to relax, you try to make that a business, I wouldn't recommend that. I mean, a lot of people love their hobbies, but that doesn't mean they make good businesses. But you do have to have passion to be successful in any business or any career, really, over the long haul. You just have to really, actually, really, really be intrigued by it. So I would say that's the first thing. You have to really be, and don't confuse that with hobbies. Mm -hmm. Some hobbies can turn into businesses, but understand that when you turn it into a business, it's not going to be for your stress relief anymore okay (laughs) because business is stressful you deal with people issues you're going to deal with all kinds of things that you can't prepare for you can't drop a blueprint for all this stuff all you can do is prepare your you you can prepare your mind for stressful things by putting yourself in controlled situations where you know hey i'm gonna try and do this write this proposal when i don't even know how to write a proposal nobody's showing me how to do it I can Google some things, throw something together and just shoot it out there. You're not going to know all the answers. And then somebody's going to come back. What the heck is this? You know, and that's how you learn though. And you're like, okay. And then, and then after a couple of years, people say, man, these are the best proposals I've ever seen. Yeah. You've got to prepare yourself to be, be uncomfortable slightly. Okay. It's kind of like you, you got to, you got to care about what you're going to do. Don't confuse it with a hobby that, that you need for stress relief. That's not a good business. And you got to be ready to do things that you don't know all the answers to. And the best way to prepare for that is like, how does somebody prepare to go win a track meet or something? They're running. They're breaking down their body a little bit consistently to build it up. You have to do the same thing in your mind over time. So you're ready for this. It's not going to be easy. It's fundamentally simple, but it is not easy. Um, I love your, your analogies and your feed, uh, your whole thought process is very cool, Anthony. Um, once you had that base how, five years ago, how did you start marketing this? Cause digital marketing was not really there yet. Well, can I cut in? Cause I think I want to team up. Cause I think I know the answer to that. It wasn't he, Anthony. I don't want to, cause this is, you know, the, the value of a network. I think is what Anthony is going to speak to the answer to this question. I, I not to jump, but there was no, this was an organic growth in, in my recollection. And so I don't want to jump in, but I, I wanted to tee Anthony up to talk about just the value of having a network in this type of time is so critical. Cause that's really what's launched you. <clears throat> yep. Yeah, Michael's hundred percent. Right. Um, I've read a bunch of books in regards to marketing of my wife has a retail business that is now shut down because it's hair salons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I totally spaced that. <laughs> yeah. So, but we know something about marketing, both at the consumer level and at the business level, right? But there's one unifying thing, whether you're selling food in a restaurant, whether you're selling haircuts, whether you're providing services to a business repeat customers man <laughs> that's your bedrock you bet the, really you can go out there and hire a bunch of salespeople 
and you can go and try to tell the whole world about what you do. But people do business with those they know. That's where they start. So start with your own network. Call people up. And by the way, um, having a good network of people, don't rely on that when you haven't put any work into that and you get laid off and you start contacting people that you haven't talked to in five years. Okay, if you want a good network, it starts the moment you get into the professional world. You try to stay in contact with the people you have worked with. You bet. You reach out to them from time to time. Give them a call, shoot them a text if you got a cell phone number. Maybe pop them an email. Just people that you liked working with. Maybe you thought they liked working with you. You just try and stay in connection with people. people, the network that I have that I'm leveraging for our organization to grow was a network that I started 13 years ago when I started my career. I stayed in contact with some people that stayed in contact with me. And when you have that kind of connection with people, you will have an opportunity to get your business going one way or the other. You just, you just do. You have good people. That they trust you. You trust them. That is so important because all you need is a little flicker, a little steady flame. And once that steady flame is a burning, you just start adding fuel to it. When are you so, going to write a book, Anthony? I, I don't know. I've read so many books. I don't even know what to write about. I have actually started writing a book, to be totally honest with you. But uh, yeah, the question was not that far off then. No. No, um, but I mean, you, you have to, so now what you have is you have recognition by people who know you. And then now here's the next step though, and this one's real critical. Um, family connections, friends and stuff like this might get you in the door and that is 90% of the battle. The only way you're gonna stay in that door is by performance. Yeah, deliver good work. Yes. So. Right. You got it. You got to keep. This is a. This is all a process, right? You'd spend years doing this. I would say to anybody who hasn't done the things that I did five or the eight years leading up to when I got let go. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's never too late to start, you know. And if you're going to reach out to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time and you got laid off, don't ask of them for a favor. Just ask them how they're doing. Because I'm going to tell you, that is the most obnoxious thing in the world. Somebody, they won't reach out to you. They won't reciprocate. All of a sudden, they're pinging you and you find out, oh, I lost my job. Can you give me a reference? Or can you do this? Can you? That is so shallow. Don't do it. You'd be better off not talking to that person again than doing that. Because and, anybody who does that, it, you just don't want to talk to them. Yeah. And now's the easiest time, I think, to do that like via LinkedIn and via some of this digital stuff that is coming out. I think now's the perfect time where you don't have to be physically, you know, you don't have to be around, you don't have to meet somebody in person necessarily to develop that connection, whether it's you're trying to sell them something or you just want to grow. So, you know, I think the advantages you have if you're starting now and you're thinking going down this path now versus, you know, when Anthony in 2015, I'm not sure the it was, it was a lot of, you know, it was in person. I think that's a compliment to what you, your, your, the people, you know, in the network you have, I think it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You, you build those things up and then, you know, the best advice I can give somebody is if you haven't read books, start reading books, reading books about personal success, wealth, success, relationship, success, all these things are important. Um, and really, uh, the concept, you know, I, I will say this is, is, uh, and this is a, this is a little snippet of maybe some of the things I might write whenever, whatever year I finish a book. 
that I'm writing. Uh, but I think there is a big misconception between the point of a business and money. Everybody thinks the purpose of a business is to make money. No, it's not. The purpose of a business is to provide a product or a service. That's the purpose of a business. Money for a business is like food to your body. You need it. But if you have too much when you're not active enough, you're going to get fat. If you don't have enough coming in when you're more active and you're trying to grow, it's going to break you down, right? Money is the byproduct of a business, not the purpose of a business. And anybody who misses that, like there might be some businesses out there, banking and Wall Street stuff. But for the vast majority of us who live and work in the real world, in the real economy, um, the purpose of a business is to provide a product or a service. That's it. Mm-hmm. And if you're good at it, you'll bring in more money than you're spending to do it. And then if you use that to grow, as opposed to how much is my bottom line every year, then you're going to have more and more to the point that any personal money that you take out of a business for your own compensation is going to be so tiny that it won't affect it at all. But it it takes patience and diligence and time and, you know, and, and there's still, it could all blow up anyway. You could have some other coronavirus, you know, black swan, whatever thing come in and boom, the whole business was great. And then it just gets torpedoed. Uh, so there's no guarantees, but I, I would say this, um, in this modern world, my belief is that stability is going to be more upon a person's individual decisions. And used to be, you'd live in a little town and you'd have a job at the, the corner shop. If the corner shop went down because the bank foreclosed on them, what are you going to do? The next corner shop doesn't have room for you. You're out of work. You didn't have access. I mean, if you maybe you had a public library in town, maybe anything that was really high level stuff, you'd have to go travel to a university, mm-hmm. and go to their library. Now this information is everywhere. So improve yourselves, read the books, listen to podcasts, don't watch cat videos. You know, I mean, you know, improve yourself. You have all these tools unprecedented. You can learn a skill. You could learn about stocks. You can learn about bonds. You can learn about you can learn about commodities. You can learn about how to do this kind of a consulting business and how to do it remote. You can learn about technology. You can learn about so many things that over time, the one thing that continues to pay a dividend compounding is the money and the time that you've put into your brain. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think it's, it's super wise. And, uh, you know, another thing that I really like is, uh, and I want to do it just as sort of a shameless blow. You guys have started releasing, you know, one of the big things you guys, you know, part of the, 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 the what Intercom has is this digital closing bell email, which is basically sort of a rundown of what happened in the markets. But you guys do a really cool job of, you call it the Pulse newsletter that gives a rundown of everything almost that's not pricing from production to drilling. And it's almost like a really good monthly overview and you've actually shifted that online now you need to spend a little more time thinking about because i think it's a really cool concept yeah um we you know one of the things you know we have been working on for years and and have now kind of you know polished it off quite a bit is just kind of putting out to the industry that 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 we're tuned in we're tuned in we're not just a bunch of engineers or geologists or coders and, and the rest of the world is, blah, and, you know, we don't even know. We're just so zoned. 
um, we like to be uh, understanding what's going on in the markets for commodity you know oil prices we like to understand the dynamics of global supply and demand we like to we like to understand what what's the aggregate look at uh, okay all these shale companies in the United States what's their leverage ratios you know just we're not trying to be financial experts we're not trying to be market experts we're just trying to be more knowledgeable broad yeah. scale and, and and portray that out in an easy to digest manner and you know we don't charge for any of that that's you just go to our website rarepetro.com and it's news pulse or, or podcasts and you know um that's just putting out to the world yeah we're in the industry and this is just another way to show that we really try to be very knowledgeable up to date and understanding what is going on in the industry not only from technical levels and professional engineer level uh but also at you know what's going on in the big Mm -hmm. no it's awesome and i think uh um i I do you guys have a podcast i really enjoy it um but but yeah no I, i i that's kind of all the questions i have i've got you know, a couple things I just wanted to wrap up with um, in terms of like three questions. Stu, I don't know if you had any other questions you want to hit on. I've got kind of just three banger questions I want to knock out at the end, and then uh, we can wrap this up. Oh, uh, me? Yeah. Uh, anything else uh, here? Oh, yeah. I, I'll tell you what. Thank you, Anthony, and thank you um, for putting this together, Michael. I really appreciate listening to both of you, and um, I, I just like your attitude. Uh, on how you do business. Uh, I can't wait to read your book. Um, <laughs> it, it is absolutely refreshing. And uh, taking a look at your the way that you're doing your business, your attitude, uh, not relying on anybody, but also on your rare Petro, I like the way you broke it out detailed down into basins. I mean, that's important because you just can't say oil and gas shale. It's basins. Everything's basin specific. So I applaud you in your personal, your life, and your uh, business. Uh, look forward to getting to know you better on some of these things. For for sure. You know, I mean, uh, maybe this is the beginning of just more and more stuff we do together. Yeah. So my, I only, I, 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 I every, every interview I've done, I've asked three questions, but I've never actually come up with three. So it's sort of just a gag line. I've just got one question. How did you come up with the name Rare Petro? I've actually don't know if I know the answer to this. My mom has legitimately been bugging you for years about how they came, you came up with the name. So I got to know. She'd kill me if I didn't ask you. Well, so it was supposed to be a, an, um, it was supposed to be an acronym. Mm-hmm the letters stand r-a-r-e so uh supposed to be like real answers real engineering right but then it's rare uh and everybody's like well why is it rare and you know i asked somebody how many companies have you heard of like ours the general answer is well i haven't okay Mm. that's pretty rare isn't it so and then petro is just you know we're oil and gas and uh you know um so yeah you know my wife helped me with the final word or the final name, but yeah, rare Petro, you know, and the funny thing is, uh, you know, even our logo is by some people's standards, it might be somewhat dated, but you got to understand who your audience is. We're trying to tie in people. They're old enough to be my dad or my grandfather to people that are just coming out of college and you need something. Let me tell you a fancy, smooth, suave looking logo. There's nothing wrong with it, but you want something that, you got to understand your audience 
you got these oil industry people and if they see our logo, they feel comfortable because it seems familiar to them. And comfort right. is a thing when you want to get somebody to consider going further. Right. And, and we know that it works for our audience because we've seen people with the rare petrol stickers on their hard hats that have nothing to do with us. They just put it on there because they think it's, they think it's neat. That's all I care about is that they think it's neat. If the guy turning a wrench out there on a rig or at the well site thinks it's neat, I've got the right audience. You bet. Um, it's amazing what, what you see on stickers. I'll have to show you some of the ones I designed and got printed for my clients. Well, that's a different discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, there, uh, you know, uh, we are, you know, that's, that's how we came up to the, the name, Michael. And that's a little expansion on description of thought process with the logo too. Cool. I love it. No, and I, I'm, I've actually always wanted to know. So, well, I really appreciate you taking the time um, to sit down and, uh, and and do this and do this podcast with us. I, I've had a blast. I know I've learned a lot. And uh, is if there's anything else that you'd like to shamelessly plug, like about rare petro, something stuff you're doing either on the engine or the tech side, please you know, use this opportunity to kind of give one last pitch for you. Well, I mean, one thing that we're doing because we've already proven we can do it with multiple oil companies remotely is because we're helping with the things that need to be done regardless of oil prices, hmm. right? So if you have a bunch of well files need digitized, they need wellbore diagrams drawn, we're doing that all over the place. Um, if you need professional engineering to help approve something, you know, we're doing that. Um, that's becoming more of a, of a necessity in the oil industry as, as you're having jurisdictions around the country, California and Colorado notably, that are starting to mix the oil and gas industry public health and safety. Yeah going to mean professional engineering stamps are going to become a lot more important. Yeah, and you have a PE, correct? Um, you know, we're also trying to help with people. You know, everybody's worried about, now they have to worry about this thing called cash flow. What a concept. Well, you mean we can't just drill a bunch of wells for bazillions of dollars and sell them for bazillions times five next year? No, you can't anymore. You have to live in the house you built. So a lot of these people, they don't have... They might have exploitation and exploration people. They don't have ops people. And I mean like production engineering, operations engineering. Mm -hmm. They don't have the budget to go hire an engineer and pay them $200,000 a year when you include salaries, benefits, taxes. But they need the help, right? My entire career in our centric, again, is day-to-day -day stuff, operations. So if you need help figuring out how to pump your stuff every day, it's very hard to find a consulting firm that does that from design to operation. Mm -hmm. We focus on that stuff, the day-to-day -day stuff. So if you need help in day-to-day -day for regulatory compliance, for, you know, whether it's drawing stuff in the office on a computer, whether it's implementing a work order and abandonment for those purposes, you know, we're focused on that stuff and we're focused on the engineering production engineering, operations engineering, most primarily, uh, to help people figure out how are you going to pump these wells? Because you know what? You're going to have to sit on these wells for a while and see if you can cash flow. Yeah, unless oil goes to zero, which it probably won't, but let's not rule that out. Um, it's tanking as we speak. I've been watching it ever so slightly since we've been recording this. But uh, um, what do you – so, so, so – yeah, um, you know, that's – you know, and, and, and when you talk about you do these remote services, I just think that's really awesome. Yep. Yep. We do a lot of that, you know, and then on the tech side, we're getting ready to roll out a pretty cool platform that's going to help with some things that have been alluded to on this. Um, 
we already have our uh, beta test companies figured out. So we're not going to be out there marketing this very heavily. We're just going to be getting feedback and making this thing sing so we can put it out to the world next year. Um, and uh, that should be a pretty fun ride. Um, you know, we, uh, we can pretty much help with a lot of remote stuff in general, you know, and uh, if anybody, if anybody's in a situation where they need some help, they can't afford an employee with the salaries and benefits, but they need help just to go day to day or regulatory compliance. It's kind of our niche, um, our, our structure and how, you know, what things cost, if you will, um, is meant to be a lot more dynamic and a lot more flexible than just here's your fixed cost to have that one employee, you know? Yeah, that's the beauty of doing it. Well, that's awesome. And I think it's, uh, I think it's really cool. So, you know, I think we've, uh, you know, I think this is, this has been a really cool interview. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, we'll go ahead and let you guys get back to work. Please check out www.oilandgas360.com. Check out the, the, the digital closing bell, email, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, shameless plugs, and we will catch you guys next time.